Ice tea. Go a cappella. Now I'm on the West Coast, relaxing and chill, living on the mead streets of Beverly Hill. I have I love it. you way better than a lot of rappers that are making yes. records right now. She is Olivia Munn. Drop my name as much as you can. By the way, say. I am a first class name dropper. The great legendary John Madden, and then on the phone, Steve Marriott. She's. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the thing. You watch a guy. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're playing this. Mooch, how did you sniff that out so quickly? I I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, presented to you by Chevy. It is free agency time, and we are taping this show in the middle of a hailstorm. In Los Angeles, California. So you have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, when it hails and Joe Flacco is the highest paid quarterback in the National Football League, that is official signs from the weather and football gods that you have absolutely no idea what's going on in this world anymore. Because it's totally unpredictable. It happens. It's totally believable. No one would think it can happen. That it could hail in Los Angeles, that Joe Flacco would be the highest paid quarterback in the National Football League. But that's what happens when you win a Super Bowl and you are the Super Bowl MVP in your walk here. That's what happens. Uh, this is also somewhat of the out-of-the-ordinary type show because uh, Chris Law's on vacation. He's shushing the slopes of Lake Tahoe. Chris Brockman is somewhere. I don't know where he is. Probably uh, screaming at Carl Crawford on Twitter, whatever he's doing. Uh, so I'm here solo and just firing up uh, the podcast for a chat one-on-one with a man who has uh, as much information as anybody in our business. He is uh, our chief, I'll call him that, our chief information correspondent, uh, part of our group with Albert Breer and Steve Weich and Aditi Kinkabwala and the whole group of folks that I'm probably leaving out names. But um, Ian Rappaport joins us right now here on the Rich Eisen podcast. How are you, Ian? I'm good, Rich. I was... That was quite an intro. What's going what, on? What do you think of that intro? Would you accept that introduction? Or Oh, absolutely. I mean, just the, the sheer length of it. Really well, was, was you great. know, I'm just trying to give the people what they're looking for, Ian. And just to talk about out of the ordinary, are you calling in from a wedding? Is that what you're doing right now? Um, it's a little bit of a break in the festivities. Uh, I'm in New York for my sister Mimi's wedding. Okay. There is a foot of snow on the ground, so you might be getting hail. We're getting snow. Um, and it's a very bizarre weekend. But well, yeah. I know, I know. Rain on your wedding day is is ironic, according to Alanis Morissette. But what what is what is snow on your wedding day? Do we know what that means? Uh, I will let I will let you know in about a day. Okay. Um, the it it rained on on my wedding day. Um, me and me Leah's too. wedding day, I should say. The bankstress. The bankstress. Yep. Uh, uh-huh. And it was great. And, and all we um, it rained on the wedding day. And we ran out of liquor, and two of my friends had to go hijack the limo, go to a gas station, and bring back beer. So what all, do you mean hijack the limo? Nothing illegal went down on your wedding day, right? Uh, nobody was nobody was caught. Although, just as while we're on this tangent, I mean, the Alanis Morissette song "Rain on Your Wedding Day" is not ironic. Wouldn't you say that's coincidental? <laughs> Wouldn't you say? I, I would say it's coincidental. I mean, this. This reminds me of the conversations I used to have with my, my editor and when I worked in Mississippi. I would use the word ironic, and he would call just to give me a grammar lesson. But Yes. yes I would ironic is one of the more misused phrases, certainly in the sports world. Kara Henderson always wrote a hurt on that, that there's, it's not ironic, it's coincidental when it rains on your wedding day. But uh, at any rate, uh, it's a whole new different free agent world this year. 
because we're talking on the Friday before free agency that officially opens up Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, and I'll be on uh, NFL Network with you and a host of others live at that very moment that that window for business opens up, or at least the window for announcing business opens up, because starting Saturday, you can talk to free agents left, right, up, and down all you want, and it's not tampering, correct? Yeah, it's it's sort of the anti-tampering window, which the NFL is, is opening for the first time this year, and about 11.59 on Friday night, then a minute after that, everything opens, and you know, it, it's funny, because usually... Uh, when free agency opens, you know everyone's been talking, you know, unofficially, uh, whatever, for a couple days. But it's almost like you know, just talking to agents and teams. No one has really been. There's been much less tampering this year as opposed to years past. Teams haven't really been talking numbers. They basically said like, we might be interested in your client if we were. What would be a ballpark figure? They haven't exactly exchanged proposals because. It seems a lot of people are kind of just waiting for this tampering period when they can when they can talk to people freely and you know is it going to result in handshake deals? Is everyone going to wait until you know four o'clock on Tuesday? There's there, this is the first time, so a lot of really good, experienced professional people have no idea what it's going to be like. Yeah, and because um, those those intricate six-year deals worth a gajillion dollars, most of it fake dollars, some of it very real dollars that occurred one minute after free agency began. It would be like, so when did you guys hammer this thing out, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, Albert Hainsworth a couple years ago, I mean, they show up on his doorstep at, you know, when the back when the free agency opened at midnight and all of a sudden they have this, like, massive seven. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was, I thought it was a good move by the NFL just to sort of open up this three-day period, acknowledging what's already happened, and try to try to clamp down a little bit, uh, and, and also to move free agency, there. and also to move the the official business opening, uh, to move that into the middle of the afternoon, because that's fans are going to be sitting on the edge of their seat. It's going to go into prime time on the East Coast, four to seven, pretty much the first three hours um, on on Tuesday, and because it, you fans used to, you know wake up the next morning and then hear a story that at 12.05 in the middle of the night yeah. while they were sleeping, something major happened, you know? So at least this helps. Oh, yeah, and, you know, it helps us a little bit, yes. too. I mean, <laughs> You don't have I to will, be up till midnight. I will be honest. Uh, it's better. <laughs> well, you still will be up till midnight. I mean, you're, you're, oh, yeah. you and everyone else, and I, I don't want to – I didn't leave anybody – I hope I didn't leave anybody out. But, you know, you have, you have – uh, and everyone part of our, our information group has been crushing it. Uh, nonstop, and now comes the the serious part. Who do you think will be the biggest buyers in free agency? Well, uh, I'll say. All right, well, to me, the, the most obvious one is the Dolphins. They've actually done some buying already. They locked up Brian Hartline to a really strong deal for a guy who really is not an uh, obviously not a number one receiver. Um, you know, that sort of locking up their own, and he's. He's built a little rapport with Ryan Tannehill, so I like that move. Um, they signed Matt Moore, their backup quarterback, but they are really going to go after Mike Wallace. I mean, it's it's almost to the point now where it's 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 not a secret. They really haven't done they haven't really made any moves to keep you know to keep this under wraps. I mean, I remember when I was talking to Jeff Ireland at the combine, and I brought up the topic of Greg Jennings. You know, obviously he's going to be a free agent too, and he's got some scheme familiarity with Joe Philbin, and Jeff Ireland kind of almost like shrugged that off and said, well, what we really need is big plays, explosive plays. That's what we're going to focus on. And, 
you know, that's that's Mike Wallace. I mean, I think they're ready to spend to spend big with him. He's 26. He gets deep, and I think they have a really good up and coming team. They're going to build around their quarterback. Uh, I think that's one place to look. Um, the Browns, uh, I hear, are also going to spend looking at a pass rusher. Uh, probably another defensive lineman. Well, I mean, who's that pass rusher? Is Kruger the, the, the cream of that crop or Freeney? I mean, is Freeney going to get uh, a lot of attention? Who do you think is going to be the, the cream of that defensive end pass I rushing mean, crop? I mean, I can't think of a more Cleveland Browns type player than Paul Kruger. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. It just seems, it seems perfect. Um, he, him and Cliff Averill are, are probably the two sort of pass rush gems on the free agent market. I think the Browns, just from what I hear, are going to go after Kruger. And, you know, they got a new owner, they got a new coach, um, they got a new personnel staff, including our friend Mike Lombardi. Yes. Um, and, I, you know, I just remember hearing Lombardi talk about how much Cleveland needed, even before he was associated with the team, how much they needed a pass rusher. So I think they'll go after Kruger. And what's really interesting, two interesting things about the pass rush market one, Freeney is out there, and Peyton Manning's already been campaigning for him, which we know. But the more I hear about this Elvis Doomerville situation... Yeah, what's going on with that? They want him to take a pay cut, and he does not want to. He, he's fine if they restructure uh, to what his agent told me would be mutually beneficial, which means he wouldn't lose money. Uh, if they want to give him a pay cut, I, I think that relationship has a really good chance of being over. And then they could bring in Freeney for a bargain, and you know they think they would get similar production and a better value. Hmm. What about John Abraham? He's sitting out there too, right? Abraham's sitting out there, um, and he actually uh, he visited the Seahawks uh, when was I, on Thursday. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how much money he wants. I mean, I remember he, he cashed in pretty well last go-around with the Falcons. Is old, but is really looking to cash in again. Uh, you know, I think he'll be coveted, but if Doomerville gets on the market too, I mean, that's yeah. another all-of-a-sudden big name. Connor Barwin is out there. Uh, not great overall depth in pass rush, but some some pretty good guys. It seems that the glut right now would be safety. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, and and that's even you know that's even more and more. I mean, Adrian Wilson is released. Uh, Dewan Landry, right? Dewan He's out Land- there. Dewan Landry, uh, Laurent Landry. Well, nobody thinks the Jets can afford anything, let alone Laurent Landry to come back into the yeah, fold. Yeah, and I don't. I think they would like to, but I don't. I just don't see how it's. I don't see how it's possible. Um, I know Rex loved him, and I think he, from what I hear, he really liked it there, but um, I don't think they're going to be able to afford him. Deshaun Goldson uh, is going to be the most coveted safety. I wouldn't rule out him going, getting some interest from, from Cleveland, too. I mean, I hear they could be in the mix, but he'll, you know, he'll have... Well, he'll wouldn't have that be sort of a homecoming for him, going there to Ohio? Isn't he an Ohio State, the Ohio State guy, Goldson? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think that's something that would, that would make sense, too. Really... Really good safety market, really good corner market. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I cannot wait. Why wouldn't the Niners keep him? Well, they have. it's, it's the same problem that they have with uh, the potential Revis trade that everyone's talking about. The Niners are really good, and they have really good players, and they have really good young players. So, you know, safety is not the most valued position. I mean, I just, you know, I just know from watching – Bill Belichick, who I covered for three years, you know, he released a guy who, you know, could have been his starting safety in James Sanders just because he was making three million a year. That was deemed too much for a safety. Um, so, you know, I don't think the Niners want to invest a ton in that position. 
The other thing is they got to redo. You know, Kaepernick's going to get a big deal. Crabtree's going to get a big deal. Alden Smith is going to get a big deal. They got a lot of guys they have to pay that are more important than Goldson is. Hmm. And um, Ed Reed. Before we get to the Revis of it all, when I mean, you brought it up, we'll have to hit that pretty hard. Ed Reed uh, wants to stay a Raven, but the fact that he represents himself. I'm hearing is becoming an impediment, certainly with the way that this anti-tampering window has been constructed. Is that is that a fair assessment of Ed Reed's short-term uh, picture? Yeah, as of right now, it is because teams can't talk. Teams can talk to agents; they can't talk to players. And so, if you're a player who doesn't have an agent, then no one can talk to you. So you're kind of just, I don't know, just sitting by the phone. Waiting, I guess. Uh, Paul Kruger was in the same situation. He just hired athletes first to represent him, because otherwise he wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't have been able to talk to anyone during that window. Um, the, the only thing with Ed Reed is he does have a business advisor, and he's got people. So if he theoretically hired, you know, he could hire an agent to talk. Um, you know, over can you that. talk to a business advisor? I mean, how does that work? What's the what's the would you know what the fine print is here? Uh, I don't. I don't believe you can because I think you'd have to be certified. Um, right. It's you know. I mean, this is one of the things. Like I, there's a lot of questions that next year this go round we're going to know a lot more. Like I hadn't. This was. I hadn't even thought about it until right. I saw the fine print of the rules and said teams can talk to agents. And it's like, wait a minute. Not everyone has one. But I still think. I still think there's a good chance that Ed resigns with the Ravens, especially because they have so much cap room. Um, with that Flacco deal. I mean, I think they'll get Danelle Ellerby done. I think they'll get Ed Reed done. And then they'll be they'll be really good, just kind of like they were last year. Well, I hope, uh, you know, every I hope they get Ed Reed done because th- that's what the fans want. That's what he wants. And, and hopefully, you know, everybody can get what they want and, and, and move forward. And plus, you know, this anti-tampering window, I understand what the rules are. But if it used to be the wild, wild west, and it still is, as you pointed out, that still right. people are talking to each other, you want to get Ed Reed's attention, you, you, there are ways of, of, of informing him that we want to – uh, sign you, and what would the parameters be, and find out that information. One would imagine. Oh yeah. Uh, what what if, now? Let's get into the Revis of this all here. Um, you know, our our friend uh, Manish Mehta of um, of uh, the Daily News had a uh, a piece this week saying that he's he's gone. The question is not a matter of 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 if, but when. And then mentioned two teams that seemed very Revis friendly. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It seemed very Revis friendly. Niners and Falcons. If you're somebody who wants a, a title, uh, and there, and you know you're going to have to choose somebody in another conference because if the Jets are trading him, you you don't want to certainly see him maybe once a year, let alone twice oh, yeah. a year, right? So, so you may, you may want to see him once every four years, and those are two teams you'd pick out of the air for sure if you're if you're choosing teams in the NFC, Niners and Falcons. What did you make of of the Revis news this week, and 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 how do you think it's going to play out? Certainly, with the window opening Tuesday. Well, I'm having trouble figuring out what's news and what isn't with Revis because you know every it's like every day I read something different. You know, it's like you talk to someone close to him. Oh, he wants to stay a member of the Jets, but he also wants to get paid what he's worth, which seems to discount the fact that he's injured. Which I mean, and look, obviously when he's you know, healthy. He's one of the, you know, I would say top five players in the NFL should be paid like that. But, and then, you know, you see the report of these two teams 
And on the surface, it makes sense. But then you talk to Falcons people, and they say they're focusing on their own free agents. You know, William Moore, Sam Baker, Grimes. I don't get the sense at all that the Falcons are looking at Revis. And then, you know, I had a 49er source tell me, don't believe any of that crap. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's pretty strong. Just as far as, you know, the Niners do not seem interested. Maybe as a one-year rental they'd be interested, but Revis does not want to do that. He wants to, a long-term deal. The Niners got all that money that they're going to tie up with their guys. Uh, I just don't see it. And so, you know, this is part of the problem, Rich, is you got two teams that would make sense. Both are running from this. You have a guy the Jets seem to would, you know, are leaning toward trading, seem to, you know, be in the process of trying to and wanting to trade. But it's so complex, I just don't see how it gets done. Well, I mean, here's the situation. They've got eight players, eight players, accounting for, I believe, 80-plus million of their $123 million cap. And that includes one guy who's coming off of a knee injury in Revis. Okay? That includes him. Eight. That is how cash-strapped they are. And that includes a quarterback that I think everybody in New York thinks is done. He cannot – Mark Sanchez cannot take another snap for this team because if that snap is then thrown to the other team or that snap – is then taken and then run up the butt of his guard and fumbled, it will be a disaster to the 10th degree. You cannot, it's untenable. Santonio Holmes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Their only two chips are their first-round draft choice and Revis. And this year, Mayock has said over and over again, there's no difference between pick five and pick 25 in this year's draft. So the ninth overall pick is essentially... uh, Let's put it that way. It's not. It's not what it might use. It, it, it's not right. like as valuable right. as it what might be in another draft. So Revis is their only chip. He's their only chip out of whatever cap hell there is to save this season and get some picks now and get some picks later. Only problem is the owner decided to keep this coach Rex Ryan, who needs Revis to win this year because if he doesn't win this year, he's gone anyway. Yeah, and that's you know. That's really the disconnect of all this to me. Is like, you know, I don't think the Jets should trade Revis because, you know, he's one of the best players in the NFL. And what could you get to to where you would say, okay, I just traded one of the best players our franchise has ever had, and it's worth it. You know, I talked to to two GMs about this. I said, what's a good price? Both said the same thing: a first rounder this year and a conditional pick next year. That you know, something where it could be a, a second rounder depending on playing time or, or whatever the conditions are. So. You know that would be that would be a good price. Plus, you know the Jets obviously it seems don't want to pay him what he wants. Okay, fine. But, the, but you know, what are they going to get? Are they going to get another Revis? You know, I don't know. And then let let's say they do trade Revis. Let's say they say, you know what, we need the money. We need to rebuild completely. We're going to start over with this new GM. We're trading Revis. Then it creates a situation where Rex Ryan is a lame duck. They're not going to win this year. Certainly not without. Revis, they'll probably win six games or so, maybe. And then it's like, so not only are you agreeing to trade Revis, you're also agreeing to start over with a coach who I thought, you know, you'd think you'd, I thought they liked him, you know. So it's a really, you know, it starts a rebuilding year in a what's a must-win year for Rex Ryan. There's a lot wrong in that situation. Well, I don't know what the cap ramifications would be if they traded him midseason. I don't know. I, I, I So I, I say this fully – um, aware that I may not be completely knowledgeable on the on the money of it, but why not take Revis into the season 
throw him out there, see what he looks like, show him off to everybody what he looks like, and also let him get to see what the vision of the new general manager is. Let him get to see the sea legs of what might look like the future of the Jets. And then maybe two things happen. One, he wants to stay. The problem is they can't franchise him. He could walk away, leave the Jets, I, from what I've read, a $9 million cap charge with him gone right. and, and a compensatory pick that doesn't even sniff the compensation that you just mentioned that he, right. that he could get. Would be a third rounder probably. Or he stays. Or you sign him. You re-sign him. And, and, and everything is hunky-dory and you figure out what the cap ramifications are moving forward. And, and that may be a pie-in-the-sky aspect of it. But how can you, if you're a team in the NFL, trade for Darrell Rivas that first in a conditional second without really knowing what he looks like in his reconstructed knee world, A, and and B, knowing that he's going to – yes, knowing that this headache, and it is that. Right. Because you're setting a complete precedence if you pay a cornerback like a quarterback. Why would you invite that into your house? Because that is a headache. Unless you believe he is worth that, you have the cap space to do that, and you are comfortable with it, all of it. I don't know a team that would do that. Do you? Well, I mean, believe me, I'm, I've been trying to find that team that would be willing to do that. I mean, you know, teams do pay for corners, but there's a huge difference, huge difference between paying $10 million for a corner like the Cowboys or the Rams did and paying Sixteen million for a corner, which is like you said, quarterback money. Uh, plus, you know that's you're really welcoming in sort of a star system on your team. Everyone knows the quarterback is a star. There's no breaking news there. But when you have a corner, uh, you know, one position on defense making that much money, I mean, that's you know, that's a whole different locker room dynamic. But I think the other thing you, know, you talked about possibly trading him uh, mid-season. The the problem, I guess, from really from both standpoints, is what if he isn't healthy? You know, like, I know Revis is – I've loved watching his, his rehab on NFL Network with Andrew. I mean, that's yes. awesome. Um, but but n- not everyone gets back. I mean, not everyone's Adrian Peterson. Derek Rose had the same injury, and he's still not back for the Bulls. Like, he, he, the, there is a possibility, and I hate to even say this, but there really is a possibility he's not healthy when the season starts. He might have to go on pup list. I mean, that's – these are all realities that, you know, I'm sure if the Jets did find a trading partner, they would let whoever it is check out his knee completely. But if they trade him in April, no one can predict the future and see what he's going to be like in September. I mean, these are scary These are scary issues trading for a guy who isn't healthy and then knowing that you're going to have to re-up him in the future. I mean, it's, I'm not sure I can remember a situation as complex as, as complex as this, and this is what's facing John Idzik in, like, his first couple months. Yeah, and I would love to know what, what he's told Revis. It doesn't seem from Revis's public comments on uh, Michael Robinson's show or whatever he said with, with Andrea on our network, it doesn't seem like that they have thrown their arm around him and said, we're going to figure this out together for the best of the right. both of us. It doesn't seem like they've they've really gotten... They, I don't know what it is. It doesn't seem like they're on the same page. It just no, doesn't. And, and just from what I hear about, you know, people who know Idzik, well, he's sort of a curious figure. So I've asked around about him a lot. Very businesslike, very close to the vest, and he doesn't say anything. Like if he knows something is going to get out, he's not going to tell someone. So my understanding is he's really told Revis 
privately what he's told everyone publicly, which is, you know, he's under contract, he's a good player, but we'll see. And, you know, if you're Revis, it's got to sting every time you hear it. Well, I mean, seriously, the Jets need that, though. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, With the number of leaks that have come out of Jets camp and people who talk to the media and people who just love talking, you know, seriously, they, they make they make Richard Sherman seem like a mute. You know what I mean? So uh, at least the Jets the Jets need that. Give me a surprise. What surprise may happen um, come Tuesday? Do you have one? You see you see something forming in the ether that might have us talking? Hmm. Um, yeah, I can I, I I could see a surprise coming. Um, I think. Well, to me, it's. The Raiders quarterback situation is intriguing to me. And, and really, none of us have really talked about it a lot because, you know, Carson Palmer's under contract. He's getting paid $13 million. There were some whispers about them wanting to restructure. I would not be surprised if he didn't want to restructure. And, you know, they, they, liked, they liked Terrell Pryor. Um, and, you know, even though he went to Ohio State and he's – has got no, some. dude, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I don't. I, I. I don't hold that against people. Uh, they hold it against me. It's the other way around. <laughs> speak, to, speak to Breer. I'm. I'm hunky dory. I'm very comfortable in my own skin. <laughs> um, but yes. Yeah, so. So I. I mean. I think there is a real possibility that they try to restructure his deal and they decide to move forward without Carson Palmer. I, I think that if that happened, it would be big and it would be a little surprising, but not, you know, completely surprising. Um, I think, you know... So they'd go into this... They'd have to go into the season with Terrell Pryor then. Because there's nobody out there. There's nobody out there. whoever they draft, right. There's nobody out there. Right. You know, and that's why I guess the Carson Palmers of the world should, you know, command all that money, even though he doesn't have the wins to show for it since he got Van Olhoffen. You know, I mean, so he... If you think about it, who else is out there? You can't... That's why the Jets, again, have to get to two Jets heavy. There's nothing out there. They couldn't even have afforded Matt Moore if Matt Moore had hit the market, and he didn't. You know? Who's yeah. out there? And that's why, again, the, what the Chiefs did, to me, was a stroke of genius when they, they're they going to introduce, come Tuesday, I imagine, there'll be a press conference. Yeah. You'll see Alex Smith standing there, Brandon Albert standing there, right? They'll all be smiling because they, they got new they got new gigs and new t- or a new team or new contracts, right? And Or Albert, you know, being, being franchise tag might not be smiling, but Dwayne Bowl will be standing there smiling. Yeah, and, and I think Albert's going to do that. get a long-term deal. You know, but they had to. These are the moves they had to do. You have to, if you need a new quarterback, go out and be the ones to be first in line for Alex Smith. Well, and it's like people, you know, when you're trying to figure out the market, I mean, I hear from, from Chiefs fans, like, oh, my God, we overpaid. If you get a franchise quarterback, if you get a, a, a better-than-average quarterback who can lead your team, to me, you can't overpay. I mean, I guess two firsts would be overpaying, but, you know, they got – they got a guy who could move their franchise forward in a time when, you know, at the Cardinals, they're going to go into the season with Kevin Cobb and whoever, and, you know, probably a guy like Matt Castle. You know, the mm. Raiders are going to go into the season, maybe with Carson Palmer, maybe not, and then Terrell Pryor. I mean, look at, you know, the Bills are going to be, they're probably going to draft a quarterback, and then it's Tavares Jackson, probably not Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, it is a difficult time if you're a quarterback needy team. Um, that's what I say. If Carson Palmer's out there, that's going to be very intriguing. Yeah, someone's going to raise their hand and say, we'll take him. There's yeah. no doubt about it. There's no question about it. You take a look at all of these quarterback needy teams. What are they going to do? 
there's nobody right now unless they draft somebody and and the mana uh, from the football heavens arrive on a plate in the form of the 2013 Russell Wilson. And right. nobody believes he exists in this year's draft. Nobody. Right. Everyone's trying to find him, but you know, I don't. I don't. I, I don't. If if he's out there, I have not heard about him. Anything else I should be asking you here before I let you go back to your wedding? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, the only the only other thing that I would say, if you were to say like, what, which circumstance are you looking forward to seeing how it how it turns out? Okay. For me, the only one where I'm going, I am curious. Is, actually, I'll give you two. One is, I want to see where Jake Long ends up. I want to see how healthy he is. Okay. I know. I know he's asking for uh, eleven million. I don't know if he's going to get it. Uh, we'll see. Who would exactly. throw that at him if not the Dolphins? Uh, maybe a team like the Colts. They got some money. Maybe a team like the Rams. They got some money. Um, if he's good, I mean, he. I was talking to one GM about this during the combine, just trying to figure out his market. And the response I got was, do you really want to be the Dolphins and let your franchise left tackle walk out the door? And I think they, they may. So I think that's, that's one. Um, and then Wes Welker's situation. No doubt. Uh, I mean, I, I keep hearing there's optimism far more than before. And, you know, now you see different reports kind of sniping in one direction or indirectly or the other. You start to think that things are getting a little closer because that's when you kind of argue over the final dollars. But... You know, Wes Welker knows that he's he's going to be he's never going to play with a better quarterback than Tom Brady, and Brady makes him better. The Patriots know that Welker's perfect for their system, and I would be surprised if Welker gets the market on the free agency uh, uh, in free agency that he desires and hopes is there. So I really think in the end, Welker resigns with the Patriots. But I'm. I'm just dying to see how that one plays out. Well, because it also sets a market for a position that really he's never needed a market set for it, right? The slot receiver. Oh, yeah. They got Victor Cruz, Amendola. You got you got this sort of, and then Hartline just got six million a year. Yep. So Welker's going to be like Hartline gets six million a year. I mean, he will say it that way. You know, no offense to Hartline, even though people again will accuse my Michigan bias right there. But seriously, I mean, Wes Welker, I think uh, didn't Borges. Put a, I saw some article yeah. on on Twitter talking about yeah. his value. I think Judy Batista uh, retweeted it, but Borges right. was out there talking about how, how much he's made. You know uh, how much other people in this league have made per catch. Just even just just parsing it out, how much they make per catch and how much Welker makes per catch, and he's not even remotely close to people who have not been nearly as prolific as him. Yeah. And and I I really think. I hate to say it. Well, I think some of it comes down to his position, and no one is used to paying slot receivers. And, you know, you actually you brought up a great point. Like, I don't know what the market is for Welker, for Danny Amendola. Maybe it is $6 million a year. If it's $7 million, that would be sort of impressive for those guys because even that would be a step in the right direction. Victor Cruz, he's so productive, but is someone going to give the Giants a first-rounder? Why wouldn't the Rams do that? The Rams have an extra one. Uh, why wouldn't they? I don't know. I think they, of all the teams that might, that's not a crazy idea. They have an extra one. They got an extra one sitting right there, and it would be so, this is ironic, not coincidental, this is ironic that the Redskins getting RG3 and coughing up their first-round pick would cost the Giants eventually Victor Cruz. (laughs) That that is ironic, ironic, don't you think? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although that doesn't fit into an Alanis Morissette lyric, I don't believe. That's a little uh, too ver- verbose. Uh, maybe some sort of 
salsa song. If I was really smart, I could draw it to some sort of salsa <laughs> song. Like that, but. but, I mean, that's – why wouldn't the Rams do that? I mean, Victor Cruz is a better option than uh, – bless Danny Amendola, but, I mean, Victor yeah. Cruz Victor Cruz would be a great addition. Yeah, plus, you know, you got you got Brian Schottenheimer there who, who watched Victor Cruz up close in the same city for a couple years. Run, run 99 yards the other direction, I believe, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's – so, and that's, I mean, so I'm intrigued with Walker's situation. I'm intrigued with that whole slot market, especially Cruz. I mean, everyone ignores restricted free agents. It's happened for years and years. And maybe this is the one year where people go, all right, I'm, I'm taking the leap. And that is a, what you mentioned, that would be a perfect fit. Well, last observation, you tell me if you would agree with this or not. And it's fine if you don't. It just seems to me with the draft the way it looks, and the free agent market, the way you're talking about it, with, with, with a dearth of quarterbacks, with one of the top uh, linemen and Jake Long being questionable in terms of his health, the, the top cornerback who might be available via trade, uh, top player maybe available via trade, has a gajillion question marks, that this is the wrong year to need something in the National Football League. It's the wrong, yeah, I mean... It's the wrong year to need a marquee anything. That's really the problem. Is so like the tackle market is good, but it's a bunch of pretty good guys, you know. And I think what you've seen is a lot of teams, you know, more and more just lock up their really good guys. You know, I mean, you don't see, except for say the Steelers. You know, if you need a big time receiver, there's really one essentially sure thing. Because even Greg Jennings. You know, even he's got injury questions. He might even have to sign an incentive-type deal just because of all the, the injury questions he's had. There's not a lot of great, great players out there. I mean, at pass rusher, the best, you know, Cliff Averill, I think, is great. He'll get a big deal. But then the other big pass rusher was not even a starter last year in Kruger. I mean, it's, you know, Sean Smith, he's going to hit free agency and get big-time money because the Dolphins don't value him as much as other teams do. So like you said, I mean, it's if you want someone great, if you really have to rebuild, you're going to have to do it piece by piece in the draft and then fill in with some mid-level guys because there's just not a lot of high-priced, high-quality out there. All right, my man. What do you got to the rehearsal dinner tonight? Is that what you got tonight? <laughs> yeah, now my, my task now is carrying all the boxes over to the venue. That's, I've what do you mean? I've to do the grunt work. What do you mean? I don't hey. understand. Isn't there a best man to do that? So are you the best man? Uh, I am not the best man. I'm in the uh, I'm in the, the bridal part. I'm in the party. So oh, you're, on the, you're on the groom side. I mean, you're not. Yeah, yeah I'm on the I groom mean, side. Okay. I got got the tux ready. Okay. Uh, although I got to say, I I got my tux and my suits to come over. I'm going to L.A. right after this. Yes, for us for for, so, for, yeah, for, yeah. for agency. I'm okay. pumped, and I left all my suits and tux on the floor of my apartment in Dallas. I had to get them shipped here. So you got them shipped to New York, <laughs> and then you're going to pack them to Los Angeles. Yeah. And that's on Sunday? I mean, the wedding is Saturday night? What, it's a Saturday night? Saturday night. I'm coming out Sunday, then I'll spend a week in L.A. Then you're going to week in L.A. And it's hailing here just for you, brother. <laughs> Hopefully that'll clear up. Ian, thanks very much. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Rich. Enjoy that it. is Ian Rappaport giving us the scoop on his sister Mimi's wedding as well as free agency. That's uh, the dual threat that he is. Uh, I want to thank... Uh, 
um, everybody for uh, their help for this year's uh, for this week's podcast uh, with Chris Law and Brockman out. Cave, are you there, Cave? Are you here. there? Thank you very much for filling in again. Thank I you, mean, Richard. seriously, you you, I mean, Law's going to get very upset. This is turning into uh, with how well producer situation. How well you are doing <laughs> is true. I mean, sir, the trains are running on time. There is no late tech salesman moment at all. And Kave, I want to thank you. Thank you, Rich. It's been a pleasure for doing this again. You want to give out your your? Did you change your Twitter address? It's, it's still for now. Kave K A V E H. Yes. Last name K A G H A Z I. Dude. I know. It's I, seriously. I, I, know. I mean, like I'm nearsighted every time you say <laughs> you say your name. We're working on it. Working okay. On it, Rich. All right, Kave. Well, thank thanks you. again. I really appreciate it. You, you are the man, and thanks to Ian Rappaport for me busting in on his his wedding. Uh, we will uh, see you on free agency all week long on NFL Network. I will be there the minute free agency's window uh, official moment to announce stuff at 4 p.m. Eastern time opens up on Tuesday. I'll be there from 4 to 7 Tuesday and then from 4 to 7 Wednesday and uh, around the clock coverage of what we are calling free agent frenzy because that is what it is. Uh, We have reached that portion of the NFL calendar. We'll also keep our eye on pro days as well as Mike Mayock's um, analyses of uh, of the prospects, he popped E.J. Manuel uh, up to number two on his top uh, quarterbacks available in this year's draft. He popped him over Matt Barkley, the Florida State Seminole, moving up the stock charts. Pretty much, not much else happened uh, in Mike Mayock's rejuggling of his uh, of his draft board uh, post combine. But that's sort of some news there, and we'll keep our eye on all of that here, not only on NFL Network, but also on this podcast. Uh, Signing off, the good people of Chevy, the Rich Eisen Podcast. Peace out. Stay listening, friends.